If you're a guest with us, let me explain what we're about to do. We've got a great custom. Whenever anyone uh, names the name of Jesus and is baptized, we as a church like to celebrate them. Sometimes it's at a church service and we get to witness it. Uh, sometimes it's other places or at camp, and that's been the case. Uh, we have so many to announce. Y'all have got a cheat sheet. Uh, isn't that great? Uh, I don't want to miss anybody. There's a several, though, that either are out of town or we just got word late. We've not confirmed. I don't have their Bibles inscribed. But um, we're going to get with Carolina Johnson. She was baptized a uh, week before last. And then we got word Clara Whitworth and Max Duggar. Uh, have also been baptized, and so we'll get with them and get their Bible. Hopefully, we can schedule that in the coming weeks. And, and just for the record, uh, not everybody does this. Uh, we invite it. We love to do it, to give them a Bible and have a special prayer. Um, some to look at all of you. You look kind of scary to them, and it's a little overwhelming sometimes, uh, or maybe they don't like crowds, and that's okay. We'll give it to them privately, um, but just so you know that, so we're not forgetting somebody. Sometimes that's just their choice, but we do have several today that we're going to um, ask to come down here. So as I call your name, if you'll uh, come this way, and then John Law will come and say a special prayer. Uh, Emerson Faulkner, this is the daughter of Scotty and Afton. She's too big to sit with the parents. That's what we got here. Uh, and then Emma Liggett, daughter of Scott and Dom. And then Finley Keeling, the daughter of Blair and Lacey. And then Emma Newton, daughter of John and Julie. And then Landon Prentice, son of David and Jennifer. Nicholas McMurtry was baptized this week at camp. That's the son of Shannon and Katrina. John, if you'll come on up and... Uh, this is a beautiful thing. We do not take any soul for granted, whether they are part of our church family, a visitor, a guest. Uh, we are proud of you and so thankful for your decision. And want you to look out at this crowd and know that as, as you've made the decision, uh, we have two. And so you're joining this church family, uh, and we vow to support and help you every step of the way. Our God and our Father that's in heaven, we're so thankful for a moment like this where we can just be so proud of and to be thankful for a group of young people like the ones here, Father. I pray for Emma and for Emma, for Finley, for Emerson, for Landon and Nicholas. Father, we're thankful for their lives, the examples they are to us today. And Father, I think about them. We think about the months and the years leading up to last couple of weeks. We thank you for their families the times that they have led them and shaped their lives, taught them lessons, given them wonderful examples. And we're thankful for these last months and years of that, Father. And then we come up on a week of camp where there is a, um, a spiritual intensity, where there is fun, where there is relationships, where there are bonds that are made and common desires. And we're thankful for those that influence our young people in settings like that. And Father, we're thankful that you're there and that you bring these young people to a place that they give their lives to you and that they're baptized into you and they come out clean. And now, Father, we look to the future and we think about our responsibilities to them. May everybody in this room today think about a way that they can influence not just these young people here, but others, to keep them close to you, to provide guidance and encouragement. 
We pray for that. And we pray for their families as now they move forward with these young Christians in their homes, that they will be strong, that they will withstand temptation, and that they'll stay close to you and to this church family. In Christ's name we pray. Hey, just a quick few things as uh, we begin our, our lesson. Last week, uh, I want to say a word of thank you for the way you received uh, Andy Baker with World Christian Broadcasting. He spoke with us in the sermon, shared a Bible class, and, and your encouragement and response uh, was so enthusiastic and so good, and, and thank you for that. And so if you missed that, you can catch that online, uh, and you'll be glad you did. Uh, we support that as a church, have for years but having Andy come really helped us to see the good that they do and to understand how that works. Uh, there are also some, uh, uh, a few remaining uh, maps and brochures and a couple of DVDs uh, that are information center if, if you're interested and you want to follow up with that. Uh, also last week, our teenagers had a week of serving. Uh, they are as busy as ever, and we're grateful for that. This week... Um, We've got something going on. Uh, have, have, have you guessed? Somebody asked me, it's like, why have we got a bed on stage? There's enough sleeping already going on in the pew, you know. Uh, but uh, Vacation Bible School is coming up. Just a quick word on that. This year, uh, a little bit different. Uh, uh, different in the approach, different in the dates. It starts Wednesday, goes through Friday. So look at your bulletin, check your emails on that. It's going to be good. I'm sad to miss. We'd already scheduled seeing our vacation this week, and then they pegged this week. So we're going to miss that, but I hope you can be here for that. Next week, Barry will be speaking to us. I want to pause our study of Jesus' names today for Father's Day. I want to begin with a video. So, so take a look at this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our... Uh... Daddy Ostasis support group. Got some new friends this week. Welcome. Good to see you. I'm Rick. I'm the group leader. What we'd like to do here is start with our mantra. We are not our dads. We are not our dads. Jim, why don't we start with you this week? Well, yeah, like uh, most of you, um, we just bought a house. Oh. Very nice. And yeah, now I'm turning into my dad. I text in full sentences. I refer to every child as chief. This hat was free. What am I supposed to do, not wear it? Next thing you know, I'm telling strangers defense wins championships. Well, it does. Right? Why is the door open? Are we trying to air condition the whole neighborhood? Heck, now I'm the guy who gets up at five just to tell people I'm up at five. I woke up at four. Let's not one up. No one wins with a one up. Okay? Did you see how he let the dadness overtake him? And I know what a meanie is now. Hey. Yeah. Some of them are funny. You know? Some of them are, oh. But other ones are funny. Oh. Yeah. I think it's a meme. Is it? I don't think it is. No, I think it's Mimi, because it's two me's. Spelled me, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. <laughs> hey, I was using that. Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. Deads are the brunt of humor more and more. Sometimes we deserve it. Some of those hit close to home. Uh, Sometimes maybe not so much. But what if you chose not to become like your dad because he was pure evil? About 2,600 years ago, the year 640 B.C., there was a new king over all of Israel. You may remember this. His name was Josiah. 
and Josiah was only eight years old. This young man had to grow into his role as king over time, and God put him there for a reason. His family tree, well, at least the immediate branches, were not so stellar. Josiah's dad, Amon, and his grandfather, Manasseh, to say they were idolaters was putting it mildly. The Bible says that Manasseh did more evil than all the other nations around them. And his son did the same as his father. And they weren't alone because false gods were everywhere. That was the norm in all the other nations, and it just made its way there into Israel as well. In fact, all of Josiah's ancestors seemed to buy into this whole methodology of idol worship as opposed to worshiping the one true God. For example, you study the Old Testament, you're going to remember these names, Molech, the fertility god, which moms would bring their newborn babies to be burned alive. Hard for us to even wrap our brains around that, but, but Josiah's dad and grandfather went along with that. They encouraged that. That's how evil they were. Another false god was Asherah. You read in your Bible about Asherah poles? They were all over the heathen nations, but at this time became all over Israel as well. The high hills, even inside the temple. That's how corrupt it had become. People had strayed so far from worshiping God. Now, generally speaking, we can relate to this in some ways because we live in a culture that seems to be turning its back on God more and more. And sometimes we shake our heads and think, that can't be the case, and yet it is the case. But I wonder how many in this room, you grew up in a home, maybe not as severe as Josiah, but your dad did not walk with the Lord. And so for you, it's like, what do I do now? Even though our culture makes fun of dads, and sometimes in harmless fun, sometimes we all see dads and moms belittled and diminished in our culture. Well, Josiah seeks out to break that dysfunctional cycle. He chose to not become like his father. I want to make sure that we get this. He chose to break the cycle. Look at 2 Kings 22, 2. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his David, his father, and did not turn aside to the right or the left. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about his father, David, we know it wasn't his actual father. That's his forefather. That's the way the Bible speaks like that. But David's reputation as a man after God's own heart continued to inspire the Jews and for centuries to come. So Josiah chose to break the cycle of his own dad. Maybe you didn't grow up with the greatest dad. Or maybe you struggle to feel like you are being the best dad. I think most of us dads do. But you hold within you the ability to change things. Maybe for you it's extreme, like your dad was abusive or he abandoned you. Maybe he was just arrogant or maybe he was condescending in the way he talked with you. Maybe he just had no walk with God, or, or maybe just barely a walk with God. But you can change things. So the question is, will you start the healthy cycle? Or if you did grow up with a godly father, will you continue that good, healthy, spiritual cycle? 
Sometimes I hear people say to me as Father's Day is approaching, why do preachers, when it's Mother's Day, it's all the good, warm, feeling, encouraging words, and when Father's Day, we just beat up on the guys? It's kind of true, isn't it? I don't mean to beat up on the men and the, the fathers, but I do know that most guys respond better to a challenge. So that's what I want to do. I want to challenge the dads today and hopefully encourage you as well. Dads, I want you to consider three habits that you can do for your children. If you've got an outline in the back of the bulletin, you can follow along. The first is this. Start with affirming words. Start with affirming words. Bill Glass leads a national ministry to those in prison. And one time he was speaking to a huge gathering of inmates. And so we asked them the question. He said, how many of you heard one of your parents say time and time again, one of these days you're going to end up in prison? Almost every single hand went up. Your words have power. They communicate. There is power in your words. That's why some of you today need to break the cycle. You grew up hearing some things that you don't need to repeat to your own children. You can choose to tear down with your words, or you can choose to lift up with your words. The Bible is full of passages that talk about the power and how to use words. Look at Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Sword thrust. We use the word stabbed. Powerful imagery, is it not? That's what it's using to describe words, because it's true. We are called to speak encouraging words, words that heal, words that strengthen, words that empower, rather than negative words that wound and discourage. John Eldridge said it like this, Your son or daughter, no matter how old, will always want and need to hear these words from you. You have what it takes. You are worth fighting for. That's the message that your children need to hear from you, parents. Your attitude, your positive comments will help shape your own children's view of life, their own sense of self-worth, so affirm them. Dad, let your daughters know. Let them hear you say that she's beautiful, that she's smart, that she's capable, that she's talented. Dad, let your sons know that you think they're capable, that they can accomplish things. Catch your son doing something right. And then commend them in front of others. Give them affirming words. Well, here's another, active involvement. I think we may underestimate how important this is. Affirming words are essential, but so is active involvement. Little Becky worked diligently on her picture in kindergarten. She wanted to be just perfect. This wasn't just another art project. This one was going to be imprinted on a plate so that it could be cherished forever. So Becky was carefully drawing a picture of herself standing beside her mom and the favorite pet dog. Her mom was expecting a baby, so little Becky drew a little baby on mommy's tummy. When the plate was finished, Becky proudly brought it home. But there's just one problem. Becky's mom was not a single mother. Her father said, but that's how she saw our family. 
I was working so many hours that I wasn't even in the picture. Now, 25 years later, that father and daughter have a fantastic relationship because that plate was a turning point in his whole parenting approach. It was a wake-up call. Active involvement. It is not just a good idea. It's necessary. Now, all the fathers and mothers want to be in the picture, but truth be known, sometimes we're not really sure how to go about it. First, work demands so much of us. Really, all of our, our, our waking hours, it seems to be, our best hours, and it's hard not to give our family, our children, leftovers. We got up early, we worked, we got up at five. We got up early, we worked all day, and we get home, there's not much left. Add to that, Satan is the master deceiver. You got time? Everything's fine? Just kick your heels up. It's going to be okay. But your children desperately need you. They need your involvement. They need your encouragement. One of the things that helped me the most was a, a book. Do you remember Stephen Covey? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. By the time that came out, another book came out called Connections. I don't know where I got it. I never saw it much at all. But he talked about this. Everybody has roles. No matter your job or occupation, sometimes you're, you may even have three roles in your job, but you may also be a father. You may also be a, 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 a husband, a son. But he said, talk about make a to-do list for each of your roles. And I just encourage you to do that. Even like for each of your children, when you're making your to-do lists, put your children's name and think about what is it you need to, to communicate to this one and to that one. And so that when you're making the list, treat it almost like a doctor's appointment. Schedule it, schedule it in your week. You know, sometimes it's just to, to be aware so that when you get home, to pay attention and to notice. How are the kids doing in school? How are they doing in sports? How are they doing in music? How are they doing with friends? How are they doing with the Lord? You can't just go through another day and not give it that a time. In fact, Paul Harvey always says a parent spells love T-I-M-E. And you might say, well, I want to do something, but I don't really know where to start. Maybe you heard of make the most of three key times, meal time, travel time, and bedtime. You heard of those three? Just kind of a, almost a, a naturally built in, in into life. Those are the times when you can be intentional about pouring into your kids. Meal time can be an automatic time to pray. Doesn't it have to be awkward? Hey, we're about to eat in this, this house. We're going to pray. Even if we're out, out somewhere, we're going to stop and pray. Can make it a part of your family culture. And even if it was not... You can break the cycle and make it become a part of your family. And travel time. I had a friend to call this windshield time. You know, if you can leave the screens off and talk, be together, and bedtime. I think I shared this before. Celia was insistent with her kids when they were little that as we were tucking them in, as we were praying with them at night, she would always make sure to leave them with a positive thought. Something good. Something good about the day. Something good to look forward to. Meal time. Travel time. Bedtime. 
may have sounded a lot like what Moses commanded God's people. Look on the screen, Deuteronomy 6.6. And these things that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Dads, maybe your kindergartner would have included you in that family portrait. But let me ask you a question. What would your kids say is the most important thing to you? What would your kids say is the most important thing to you? Whether they're 5 or 15, or even if your children are 50, what would they say is the most important thing to you? Is it your job? Is it your faith? Is it your marriage? Your family? Is it your standing in the community? Is it your golf clubs? Your house? Is it hunting? Fishing? Is it Jesus? What would your kids say is the most important thing to you? So dads, make certain that your kids include you in the picture. And make sure they know what you think is the main thing. Well, here's the third area I want you to see. Spiritual leadership. This is one of the most important, but also one of the most difficult. Because sometimes, as men, we don't feel able qualified? Are we doing enough? How do we do it? How did Josiah know what was right? I mean, his father blew it. His grandfather blew it. He certainly didn't grow up in a home where he witnessed a good example. Well, here's four ways I want to encourage you to think about how you can spiritually lead. Number one, teach respect. Starts here. Start simply. Teach your children to respect those who are older than them. Teach them to respect their peers. Teach them to respect their teacher, their coach, the police, the government leader. Even when the people in authority are acting in a way that they don't deserve their respect. Humans have a tendency to fail. Dads, teach your children to respect their parents and submit to their authority, even if they don't feel like it. That's the beginning of their learning to respect God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So children, if your parents are teaching in a way that's in the Lord, as difficult as it may be, you need to obey. And it may be for you, the first prayer that you pray is, God, I need your help to do this. But parents, if your children don't learn respect at home, it's doubtful they will learn it at all. They're going to struggle with that. So teach them that respect is the heartbeat of relationships. A second habit you need to teach them is to model grace. And parents, you're going to have a lifelong opportunity after opportunity to do this. You ever heard the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I? Put it on the screen. There but by the grace of God go I. You ever heard that? It's attributed to John Bradford. John Bradford is an English preacher born in 1510. When he was 45, he was burned at the stake by Queen Mary also called Bloody Mary. What was his crime? Preaching the good news of Jesus and calling out England on turning their back on God. But he was prompted to say that statement, there but for the grace of God go I, except for he said it differently. He said it, there but for the grace of God, there goes John Bradford. And he said that 
when he was watching some criminals being led to their execution. What a perspective. What a reality. What a good lesson for our children to hear. Parents, your children learn from you, as Moses said, as you talk, as you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. All through life, they're learning from you. It's from you they may learn to be quick to condemn, quick to judge, quick to see the worst in people, quick to call out everything that's going wrong. Or they can learn from you how to give grace that your kids could hear you say, there but for the grace of God goes dad. Another way you can spiritually lead is to share your faith. But this only comes from your personal walk with the Lord. So put in the blank, share your faith. That's not the same as take them to worship or make sure they're in Bible class or, or read the Bible to them or make sure they go to all the activities that are going on at church. All of those are great. But the sharing of faith, that comes from you. You cannot lead your children where you have not been. That's what we're talking about here. I think I've shared it with some of you. When I was in my late 20s, one of the ministers on staff had a, a moral failure. One of the most difficult experiences I've ever been through. Satan took down an amazing man of God, and the carnage was not small. Took him down, took his, his family down, his marriage. The church was so devastated. It, it, was, it was terrible. But through all of that, there were a handful of guys that got together and said, There, but by the grace of God, go I. So we all got together and bowed to each other that we would not fail like that. And we would help each other to not let Satan take us down. We want to be strong spiritually, to hold one another accountable. But I remember we young, when one of the guys in our group said this, we all grew up with a church background. We were all Christians. We were all in, in our 20s, maybe early 30s. So we've been at it for a while. But one of the guys says, I'm trying to become something that I've never seen up close before. Dads have your children. What do they see when you share your faith? Don't let your son or daughter say that about you. Dad, when your children hear you praying before a meal or praying at bedtime, or they see you reading your Bible, or maybe just there it is by your bedside or maybe your chair, when they, when they sense your faith, just permeating life as you're making decisions and choosing how to react and just going through life and making priorities. All of that communicates something. Your children are learning, whether they're young or old. One more. Protect your family. Your goal is to spiritually protect your family from outside forces. And we can't do this on our own. This becomes increasingly difficult because when they're little, we can keep them in and we have curfews and we can limit those that they are around. But as they begin to become teenagers and they kind of expand our realm, it's a little harder. It's a lot harder. We must have God's help. Do you remember when Satan came up to God and asked him about Job? 
There's a statement he made about Job. I put it on the screen, Job 1.10. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? See, Satan knew if he was going to go after Job, there's no use even trying until that hedge is removed. Satan couldn't get him. God was protecting him. So dads, ask God to put a hedge around your family. He can do that. Around your marriage. Around your wife. Around your son. Around your daughter. Around yourself. I came across this statement from James Dobson, what he would do with his kids. He would take them to the window when they were little and say, look outside there. Out there, the world can be rough and cruel place. But here in this home, this is a safe place that we can all count on no matter what. Family. You lean on one another. You help one another. For the single moms who are here today, I want to share a verse that I hope you've already marked in your Bible. Psalm 68.5. God is described as a father of the fatherless. A protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And God will often work through other men to help bring up your children in the Lord. Somehow, Josiah overcame some significant gaps in his own family tree. You know, when it comes to being a protector in our family, we realize that's, that's who God is. He's the protector. God is love. And the Bible tells us that love protects. For the last two weekends, I've read 1 Corinthians 13, in the ceremony. That chapter is a favorite of ours because it just personifies who God is and who we're called to be. In verse 5, it says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love always protects. I want to close by encouraging us to look at a familiar scripture with fresh eyes. It's Matthew chapter 3. Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. In verse 16 and 17, you know this passage. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. A few years ago, I was at a church leadership conference and, and met a man named Simon Mbevi. He was from Kenya. And, and he shared that, that whenever he teaches this passage, he goes, every time I read this, it's a perfect picture of fatherhood. Do you see what God the Father is doing and what he is passing on to his kids? It's the very same thing that every Christian dad must pass on to his kids. So look at the statement there. Look at the next slide. First line, this is my son. This is my son. This one is mine. He belongs to me. The, the, the communication there is not unclear. He is mine. Then he says, this one I love. Whom I love. He doesn't love you for what you are or what you've done. He loves you for who you are. You're his I love you. The son whom I love, the son has accepted my love. We know Jesus accepted the love because he obeyed the Father. The scripture is full of that. That's how you know. If a child's being disobedient, they don't love their mom. They don't love their dad. Their actions prove that. The third thing, I'm proud of him. 
With him, I am well pleased. God was so pleased. The plan was finally coming together. Jesus was making the right choices. It was great. With whom I'm well pleased. That's when Jesus was baptized, our Heavenly Father gave us an example. And he shows three things that we can do for our children. Go to the next, oh, there it is. Belonging, love, and pride. Is that not what he's saying in this statement? I'm so pleased that you're my son. I'm so pleased that you're my daughter. That's how the father imparts his identity to his child. Dads, fathers, do you ever stop to realize you get to wear the same title as God? Father. He's our heavenly Father. We are earthly fathers. Our calling as His children is to model the way we love our children the way God loves us. So today, we want to honor our fathers. We did this on Mother's Day. I'd like to do it again today. Can we ask all the fathers, grandfathers, would you stand? Let us recognize you. May we? Remain standing, if you will. Let's, let's pray for these men. Our Father in heaven, will you bless these fathers? Thank you for all they do to point their children to you. Some of these are young fathers. Some are grandfathers and great-grandfathers, but they're still pointing. They're still helping. Thank you for that. Thank you for their hard work, for providing for their families. Thank you for their example of serving others. Thank you for the way they depend on you and show us what that looks like. Thank you for their faith. God, please give these men what they need to continue to lead and influence their families. Because we know that influences all of us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are blessed to be a part of a wonderful church family. Every time we gather to worship, we offer the invitation of Jesus. If you're ready to do what we were able to celebrate with these young people, to name the name of Jesus, have your sins washed away in baptism, okay, we've got a little set here, but y'all, we'll rip that off and open those doors, and we'll put it back up so that you can be baptized, and we'll rejoice with you. Or if we can pray for you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing to encourage. Oh